You are now listening to the Flotaku Podcast, where we talk anime culture, lifestyle, arts, and music. I am your host, recording artist, songwriter, enthusiast of all things otaku, Twizzy Ramos. Yo, yo, what's good, Flotaku gang? Hope you're having a blast day. Thank you for tuning into the podcast. We like to ramble anime. I bring on guests who are not only weebs, but also creatives like myself from musicians, cosplayers, content creators, and whatnot. Today, we got Calgary singer, songwriter. But before I introduce him, allow me to plug away. They call me the Otaku rapper, Cat Daddy, Metalhead, the man who's seen only two out of the big four, therefore is a complete poser, Twizzy Ramos. Check out my music on all streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Music. We got a new video out called Levi. That's on YouTube. That's an Attack on Titan reference. You got it. Drop a comment on there and yada, yada. For, without further ado, welcoming Zacharias. What's good, man? Hey, how's it going, Twizzy? Pretty good. Thank you so much for coming into the show. This is a this is kind of like a reverse role because I did a podcast with Zacharias last year, I think around September, trying to promote our new song, um, Give You Love. Now we're in reverse situation where I'm the interviewee, how to table, how to turntables. Yes, that's right. And <laughs> it's it's interesting because like when we sat and hung out at your place, we instantly gravitated to stuff we loved. And it was music and anime. <laughs> exactly. And this is just going to be the complete the same thing, basically. But yeah. it's going to be interesting because uh, definitely you'd want to check out that podcast too, the Zacharias Experience. He's doing a really good podcast too with uh, he's m- more local and outs- musicians from outside of Calgary too, right? Yeah. And a couple Americans here and there. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. And you've just been slaying it too. Like I watch your TikTok game, just like doing challenges and covers. Besides from doing your own original music, he has a lot of original music as well, which we'll definitely get into the Kaizen album. And uh, yeah, but you know, we'll jump into some anime. What have you been watching recently? Um, well, recently um, I've been, I haven't been, I'll be honest with you, but uh, what, what I have, the last thing that I watched, I would say uh, in 2020, because uh, I've 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 recently just stopped watching um, television, unfortunately, not unfortunately, but really just for just to calm my soul. Uh, but the last thing I watched, which is is a great show, is Food Wars. Food Wars. How <laughs> far Wars is how far are you in? It's done. Uh, I it's finished done? the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh my god! Amazing. I think it's season season five was the last one. Are you a cook um, yourself? Uh, yeah, it, it, I am, and um, it's funny. Like the one thing I love about anime is their creative ways of, you know, drawing the hyperbole. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, you know, how like the, the, you know, your clothes come off when you Yeah. I yeah. Mean, they maximize it's, it's, on that. They yeah. maximize on that. And it's just like for uh, food wars, I, I, I was told by another guest we had here, it's like food wars, is a good, it's a good introduction to anime for someone who's not watched anime. I actually think yeah. it would be hard to get into food wars because there's so many anime culture, like, like, you know, the whole, you won't get the whole like ripping off clothes hentai thing. You'd think that they're just trying too hard to give fan service, which it is yeah. fan service, but it's also a parody in itself of like overreacting to like something that's good or whatever, or, or when something, someone's powering up instead, they're cooking mm-hmm. something really well and they're just in their zone. So I think it's more of a metaphor for like, you know, like kind of like that in that zone, but you have to know like kind of anime culture to find it acceptable. Otherwise it's just too weird. Yeah, <laughs> I agree with that. I also think like, um, for me, like, so I'll, I'll give a little history of how anime and I suppose to a greater degree, anime culture entered my life. So I remember um, every, yeah, every Sunday, like after church, I would go home and I would play Pokemon. So that's the start, right? Mm-hmm. So I had like a Game Boy 
and um, I would play it, you know, like that's kind of the thing that I get to do on, on, on Sundays. I grew up in a pretty disciplined home. So we didn't, um, although we got to play evenings and weekend, uh, evenings and weekends, I uh, got to play video games. It was mostly a uh, pretty structured life at home. And um, I remember one time I lost my, so I had red version and I lost oh. red version and red version. I remember crying because uh, it, it was like the very first experience I had of, you know, really being able to explore in the, you know, in your imagination and, and mm-hmm. kind of play the game of, you know, understanding this world and understanding yourself. And so um, a really bad tragedy happened at our house. So, um, you know, at that point we had Game Boys and we had a Super Nintendo, which to us was everything because, you know, um, being a, a family that immigrated from the Philippines and, you know, uh, into Canada, uh, having things like video games and, you know, entertainment is is a luxury. And so, uh we enjoyed we enjoyed all those things, but unfortunately, our house got robbed and they stole everything. Oh my god! And I remember uh, sitting with my brothers, crying and thinking, like, what happens now? You know, everything is stolen, everything is gone. And then my parents are like, "Well, guess what? We we have insurance, and yeah. because we have insurance, we can get you all the video games you want." So imagine like our giddy little kid <gasps> no like, instincts like blew up, and at the Did time, you go crazy and just get more games. Yeah, well, basically, what we did was um, we, uh, we we got the newest and greatest at the time. And yeah. At the time, it was PlayStation and Nintendo sixty four. And that's funny because, like, in my in my story too, like being Im- immigrating from Canada, we're we're always a step behind. Like, we can never afford what's actually out there. If an N sixty four comes out, we're getting a Super Nintendo. You know, exactly. If, if PlayStation two comes out, we're getting the PlayStation. So it's always behind like that. So I totally feel that. So if you lose that, oh, mm. that hurts. <laughs> so I got those, and I was like. I'm in the game. And the first thing, I think we got like a bunch of Final Fantasy, Mario, Donkey Kong, all the greatest, coolest things that we saw. And for those who are listening, like this was the era of Blockbuster. So, mm. you know, Blockbuster, when you it was always that. Yeah. And you would always see it there. And, and and that's how you would be informed of what's new and popular and what's great. So exactly. like, block, you know, we got like Final Fantasy, Mega Man, whatever, all the games that you could think of. And so that, that was kind of how video games made its entrance into my life is that it was a a redeeming thing Mm -hmm. so there was always that kind of thing in my heart and because um a lot of the video games i played were japanese animations Mm -hmm. um it was easy to transition that idea of video games into the shows that we watched so at the time i was getting into like dragon ball i was watching like sailor moon digimon pokemon but dragon ball stuck out the most absolutely that's definitely the one that like kind of became popular in North America. And this is like, okay, this is the president of like what anime is kind of thing. And yeah. then um, especially coming from like a, a RPG background, like you're playing a lot of RPG with like animation and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. you like the whole um, hero, bad versus evil, the, the yeah. underdog um, powering up, like training every day mm-hmm. and growing to kind of defeat. But it's always, it's always like just, just fresh at the time too. Cause like, Man, the the way that they put the tw- the twist on like Final Fantasy games and stuff, where I remember I liked the villains as much as the heroes at the time when playing those games. Yeah, they were cool. Yeah. People. like they were cool. And the thing is, their stories weren't trivial. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, for instance, like Sephiroth used to be, if we can remember, like Sephiroth used to be a good guy. The one with play, angel. Yeah, he was the um, he was the number one soldier. Uh, mm. First class, I think, soldier or something like that. And he was the top of the game and everyone strived to be him. Uh, but, you know, as soon as he discovered the truth, you know, in the story, he started to, I guess, 
reach hysteria. Is that the right way to say it? But he, <laughs> he is it. He's essentially kind of twisted the game and he no longer became, well, in his mind, what he was doing was considered good. So he was in his mind still doing what is good. He was just following this path, but obviously he's wrecking havoc as doing it as well. He kills Zach and, uh, sorry for all the spoilers, but I mean, if you haven't played the video game yet, shame oh. on you. It's an old game. <laughs> but anyways, it's all good. I think I think people that are like getting into the show, looking for that certain topics, I think would already know because we want to be able to ramble about it. Um, mm-hmm. For me, uh, I played seven. I played a lot of eight and nine. A lot of eight. Eight is actually like one of my all-time yeah. favorites. Um, that I think the characters is just like till now. Squall is still like one of my favorite fictional characters, mm-hmm. and I would love to cosplay him one day. Um, and then like seven i started getting into because of the remake like i used to play it too when i was when i was younger but i i remember i think the game was scratched up like i had the game and disc three was scratched up and you know what i feel we can't we can't just buy another one you know your parents no. buy another one but disc three was scratched up so i couldn't finish that game so i was so happy about the the whole remake thing and i played the crap out of that remake for sure but um yeah and the thing is if if, if disc three gets scratched you have to buy as as, as you say you have to buy the, the whole, whole game thing. again nobody's yeah. buying you a full game and shout yeah. out to blockbuster too that that alone like um is how I got into not only like knowing what video game to buy or rent, but that's when I started getting into anime in Canada as well, because I remember mm-hmm. like my parents would just, you know, rent like, okay, like we talked about like the Sailor Moons and stuff like that. Oh, this is good for you as a kid. We'll rent mm-hmm. that. But then they think that as long as it's anime, it's okay for kids. So mm-hmm. One day we got this anime called Berserk and Ninja Scroll. But of course, my mom is just like, oh, leave him alone. And when we go to work, they can watch it and stuff. Yeah. Never, never any guidance on like watching it with us. They assume it's anime. It's going to yeah. be kids. <laughs> Should have seen my, say, yeah. my my godfather's face because uh, we would watch we, we watched Ninja Scroll at my friend's house. And <laughs> my godfather came downstairs at the wrong time. <laughs> it was so good. And we were like, all quietly still like oh my gosh like i did not know because i didn't know this part was coming my i guess my friend knew but i had no clue so Do we i was know just what part st- we're talking about are we all on the same yes. page when we're talking yes, about we the are same part? okay okay mm-hmm. yes so, but a quarter in the way some really inappropriate yeah. shit happens yeah. <laughs> and, and he was just coming downstairs to get laundry out of all things <laughs> so it's yeah. like so awkward <laughs> but um but going back to so final fantasy and like dragon ball z I was starting to be informed of the, I guess what you would call it, the mythical hero, the concept. And okay. this concept comes from a, a psychologist named Carl Jung. Um, what's his name? Also, Joseph Campbell kind of touches on it where okay. across cultures, you can identify um, where the mythological heroes are and that they all kind of unify to this idea of a hero. And uh, what I love about anime and what it's done and what the Japanese have done really well is they've taken that concept and ran with it. Like mm-hmm. they know that hero uh, heroism is like you know it's it's so universal to humankind that um, we could tell the story a million ways, different ways, mm-hmm. and so um, that's I guess one of the things too that that I found with um, with shonen anime is that like how the heck are they getting away with telling the same story? The same story. Like it's the same. Like you know, like literally, like as you as an artist can detect patterns, right? Mm-hmm. And we know the pattern. Like we know at the end of the day, like even if we. Um, you know, watch the first episode and we know that it's a shonen. We know that the last episode is some kind of comedic good ending, right? Like yeah, we know yeah. that that's going to be the case. Yeah. But for some reason, I still want to watch it. Like I keep telling myself, like, I know where this is going, but I still want to watch it. And um, uh, there's this uh, 
I think you know um, Braveheart, the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the creator, the creator of Brave, Braveheart, Randall Wallace, said something quite profound that now I understand as a as a storyteller why it's so good, and it's the idea of surprise. So like, why people come to the movies and watch a story that they've already heard of and are historically know about is because of the surprise. And so long as you can surprise the viewer, and you know this with music, as long as you can surprise the listener with mm-hmm. something, some element that kind of makes them go, "Whoa, I've never heard that before." or I've never seen that before, then you've got something with the, with storytelling. And I think that that's why, you know, you could take, it's like taking a good recipe and perfecting it and so adding right. some little surprises, making it your own thing, right? Because you also know what to expect. So that's comfort for the, the audience. But yeah. surprising them a little bit is just like when you find that right amount of surprise or like that extra spice that they didn't expect, that's when you go, yeah. Exactly. (laughs) And so you could see where I go, where I went with this, like, as I was growing older and going to, you know, moving to Calgary, going to high school, college, yada, yada, yada. You know, I encounter all the shows throughout the life that kind of speak the same story, but tell a different, tell it differently and surprise me over and again, over again. So, you know, Naruto, Gundam, Bleach, Hero, My uh, My Hero Academia, I Shield 21, Food Wars, and even like the video game World Star Ocean, the list goes on and on and on and on. And it's like, even like My Hero Academia, they're so unapologetic about like, yes, we're going to follow the same trope. Like in the very first episode, they're they're telling you like, he's going to be the best hero. Yeah. Like, but this is how it happens. It's kind of like a how I met your mother uh, thing. Like yeah. I'm telling you right now, there will be a happy ending, but stay tuned to see why yeah. kind of thing. So like exactly what you're saying, like it's like they, they follow mm-hmm. the same trope, but I think um, the, the, point, the, the, the surprise factor definitely mm-hmm. is what makes you stick around. So with that said, what are some animes that give you and moments too, that give you that surprise factor? Yeah. So like, for instance, um, like in Naruto's, like there's so many different arcs, right? Um, so obviously when you're at the age that we are now, and I suppose if you're at our age, if you're like someone who's investigative and knows how the industry works, you would know to go right to the press conferences and you would kind of have a sneak peek and spoiler. But for the typical consumer like myself, um, all you got was the newest episode that they would release. And so that in itself um, sets you up for surprise. So um Unfortunately for me, when I was watching Naruto, there was no surprises. I just had to watch it, you know, episode by episode. But um, uh, for instance, the one thing that um, I didn't kind of, I didn't quite see was Sasuke becoming good. I thought that that was weird. I thought that that was weird because I was like, I thought that he would, you know, he did actually go off and um, live in solitude because that seemed like who he would be. But for him to agree that there is... Um, this innate good that they were both fighting for as heroes, despite like their, you know, how um, we see that as a metaphorical disagreement when Naruto and Sasuke fight, you know, two shinobis against each other. That's literally two opposing forces. Like you could even think left and right or whatever. But the idea of two opposing forces coming against each other because they don't agree in the solution is Naruto and Sasuke, but they nonetheless want the good for the people. So that surprised me because I didn't know anything about politics at that level. Like imagine Naruto teaching you politics. Like, <laughs> There's like, always like a deeper meaning in some of these shonen too sometimes, eh? Yeah. Like yeah, even like the smallest things like in Food Wars, like you think it's okay, this is typical shonen, but it's actually teaching you a lot of 
really good days even with like cooking mm-hmm. and stuff and yeah. especially sports anime like um you were mentioning um i shield 21 i think i shield in um Hajime no Ippo. And it's Hajime like, no Ippo, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And there's some of these like sports anime, like you're watching it, like, you know, Kuroko, Bas- No Basket and stuff like that. I was watching. Um, they mostly fantasy, but they would actually teach you certain things that you would actually implement in a game. Like maybe not mm-hmm. to the full extent, like it's exa- exaggerated, of course, but they mm-hmm. do teach you some good lessons, actually. Like I'm watching a workout anime. Um, how, how, this is so random. It's called like how, how, how much dumbbells can you lift or something like that? Or how heavy are the dumbbell, dumbbell, dumbbells you lift? And I was looking That's at awesome. the preview and it's like, okay, it's just like these girls, like uh, skimpy girls, you know, straight fan service that are working out. But right. I'm like, okay, me and Scarlett, like watch it. And, um, they actually teach you form <laughs> like mm-hmm. proper form proper diet how to like eat how to not eat too much after a workout and whatnot and all of mm-hmm. it is done well to teach you but at the same time in a comedic shonen way yeah that's what shonen does and especially like some of the really creative ones um yeah what was the thing that got you into hajime or eye shield okay so like um as a part of you know uh this whole thing you know, getting into anime, one of the things that I really enjoyed was just exploration. So I would give, I would give an anime, um, a chance, two or three episodes. And, um, and this is just my bias, you know, like how my tastes work for me. And so if, if, uh, if, you know, first episode or second episode didn't do it, I'll give a try to do the third. And if I can't continue, then I won't, I won't watch it. Um, and I can't remember the names of some examples that ha- where that happened to me um, at the moment, but one of them was uh, uh, Hajime no Ippo. Like I was, I was kind of getting, uh, you know, first off, I'm I love boxing, so uh, you know, being a Filipino and you know with Manny Pacquiao's rise into uh, the legacy of of boxing, it was no coincidence that um, my love for anime and for boxing kind of came together with this uh with this anime and um funny enough with this anime too uh the character uh the main character actually to some degree represents uh uh pacquiao because that's how pacquiao started you know he started off as a this uh you know just humble filipino local um prize fighter uh um and obviously, uh, Ipo's story is different. Uh, he started off as a fisherman, but it was humble beginnings is where greatness can start. I guess that's the that's the story's uh, moral, uh, you know, essence is uh, that um, greatness can co- can come from the smallest of places. And that really taught me that, you know, um, for someone like Ipo who never gave up, even though he lost, he always remained humble, and that always stuck with me. You know, there's these little nuggets of lessons that. Uh, you know, they're not coincidental, you know, that um, the people who write these shows are trying to teach you good moral behavior and good moral culture. And um, uh, that's why I'm so happy that, uh, you know, anime is has become popular. We talked about this on our podcast, how anime sure. was not yeah, check out the popular experience. It's a different experience 10 years ago yeah. compared to now. Definitely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we yes, jump into was, that. I, I remember watching some Hajime. Um, I like about it because like when they would build an arc like a fight they would treat it like a fight camp you know how you like you're fighting an opponent you get about three to four months to prepare yeah, yeah. the next baddie that was coming out can't remember mm-hmm. the names or whatnot but i remember they would spend good 10 episodes or whatnot preparing diving into the training mm-hmm. what their story was before the fight so 
this is an old anime, so it's not uh-huh. super fast. Like, you know, the fights are not super fast and the story is a slow burner. It's definitely a slow burner, especially in today's standards. But mm-hmm. the the attention to details they give to like, you know, a fighter's mental preparation before they get into that fight and then during the fight because everything slows down so much more, I think is one mm-hmm. of the great things about uh, Hajime no Ippo. So I... I personally think want a remake of that anime because i watched this a little late when i was already like into kind of like today's anime so it, it was a little slow for me and then the double a little was, dated too yeah, yeah everything was a little dated so it's hard to kind of go through it as much as i enjoyed it i would love a remake for that just kind of ramp it up and then kind of make it a little bit modern it's a classic for sure um mm. but that would be kind of cool yes so like for me it, it was um it was stories like these that it was easy for me to gleam on because uh, like you said, there's a, uh, you know, uh, you know where the, what the ending will be like, uh, despite the surprises. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm trying to think of a surprise where um, uh, Dragon Ball actually has a pretty good one, Dragon Ball Z. So the death of Goku was pretty good. The first um, time? The first death of Goku, yes. So the Raditz, the Raditz arc. Yeah, the Raditz arc. Uh, it's because uh, it, it, it kind of gives you the idea that, um, you know, where you think the hero would prevail, he doesn't mm-hmm. prevail. Uh, mm-hmm. And so that's surprising because, you know, you think the hero would live on. Obviously, as we know, the surprise is that, oh, he's still alive. You know, we're still following him in his journey to Thank heaven. Or, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, that sort of journey into heaven and into the different planets where he would, you know, confront the gods um, is a story of, of um, let's say, you know, if, if you were to put yourself in that shoes, it's when you die to the public where you kind of fall into a hermit mode and you die from being seen and being public um, to renew yourself and to but better yourself. At the same time, right? he was working on himself. Like he's exactly getting training. He's yeah. So there, there were, there are those sort of like um, symbolism um, and, and moral nuggets that you could see in Dragon Ball. But that, was, that to me was a surprising uh, thing because again, I didn't expect him to die. Like, you know, and there's a self-sacrificial thing in there too. Especially so, if you've been watching from Dragon Ball, because that's the first yeah. major arc of Dragon Ball Z. But for mm-hmm. me, like I was definitely watching Dragon Ball first towards that. And to me, it's- Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Dragon Ball's the Goku's the main hero, like from the very beginning, right? Mm-hmm. Krillin's number two. So for that to happen, definitely like mm-hmm. before it debuted out in North America or anything. Because I, I watched Dragon mm-hmm. Ball in the Philippines. So there's yeah. like zero spoilers because it comes out that week and everyone watches it like friends go to your house if you had cable if you had the channel and we're watching it in that (laughs) that. yeah and and goku even then like so be before dragon ball z and dragon ball um goku was is this sweet innocent hard courageous child right so if you take that image bring it into dragon ball z and first saga he dies your heart kind of breaks right Mm -hmm. (laughs) you're like oh my gosh like what the heck is going on obviously the whole concept begins to trans, you know, uh, change, shift from this other narrative to a more uh, idea of transcendence. And I think that that's where they introduce Super Saiyans and they introduce this colossal, su- colossal levels of power. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a uh, it's a challenge to mankind, you know, like that's because that's the time where we started challenging ourselves and our capabilities as humans, right? Like our technology, you know, what we're capable of, you know, um, so on and so forth. So like. Like, this is how I see anime, like, really at this level. I see it as this, like, metaphysical, um, moral teaching platform. And uh, and it teaches people to be heroic, uh, you know, 
these days in reality, obviously they teach us not to be stupid, (laughs) you know, like don't, don't die when you don't have to die. But, you know, the elements of heroism to those who truly understand anime and to those who truly believe in it, at least for the shonen perspective, the shonen perspective, um, uh, walk away with some good moral ground. I think that's what I feel at least. For sure. For sure. Um, on the, uh, the final fantasy JRPG kind of, uh, Mm -hmm. realm, um, Aside from the Final Fantasy games, Star Ocean, you mentioned, uh, were there other ones that really stuck out to you? Because for me, like, there's definitely, I still play JRPG till this day. I recently played Xenoblade and mm-hmm. I put in like 80 hours on that. And the storytelling on that is so anime that, you know, like AMVs, yeah. I feel like I was watching an AMV the entire time, basically. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. So, and it's the same thing where um, you kind of see where the story is going. But I remember there's definitely one part near the second last chapter where it's mm-hmm. like twisted everything that you thought it was going and then you kind of mm-hmm. it's just fucked up like you give you a new pr- perspective on how the story went so you were telling me this whole time it's this and that and i yeah. love that especially in rpg and it's like that 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 hits my feels even more because not only was i watching it i was training this character i was farming with this character yeah. i was giving him armors and weapons and mm-hmm. <laughs> giving him all these skills for a certain character to not be who they actually are hurts yeah. more <laughs> yeah and and the thing is like it uh the, the game of preparation is so crucial too in the game. Uh, like for instance, with Star Ocean, funny enough with Star Ocean, I actually encountered Star Ocean before I've ever encountered Star Trek. Yeah. Um, so that was the first star. Well, actually, I think I might've watched Star Wars, but I never really understood it when I was younger. I only understood the lightsaber part, yeah. uh, but Star Ocean was the one that, you know, really got Star Ocean 2 actually too. Um, the one thing like with anime that I'm, or anime or JRPGs, especially JRPGs that I'm that I willingly do is I kind of surrender to the story and just really let whatever it's trying to tell me tell me. Yeah. Um. You know, there's obviously like the gamification of it that I enjoy too. You know, like you know, trying to be level ninety nine, nine thousand and nine hundred and ninety nine HP. Yeah. Nine hundred and ninety nine. Collect all the best weapons. Yeah, all the best weapons and try to like you know discover all the secrets. And at the time, there was game 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 facts. Is it game facts? Game mm-hmm. track, yeah. With all the walkthroughs? With all the walkthroughs. I'm thinking even before GameFAQs. Like, you know, when you had, the, you had to buy oh, the Nintendo the actual, Power. Yeah, you had to the buy the, the magazines. The yeah. actual guides. I love yeah. those. Yeah, nowadays, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm going to give the Gen Zs and get, gen, you know, Generation Alphas their due for, you know, being in a generation to enjoy the games vicariously. So, like, you know, nowadays you can just go on YouTube and watch, like, a 40-hour you know, thing of, you know, full walkthrough of a game. Skip the fillers um, too. Yeah, skip the fillers if you want to. Um, honestly, though, like you're missing out by doing it that way because mm-hmm. you're what you're missing out on is you're missing out on the ability to decide on yourself. And I think that that was really also another lesson you learn from games like RPG. Uh, you get to play the roles, you get to play the game and engage connection. in it. Yeah, There's engage in the structure and kind of build it you know, um, follow and not even follow, but kind of create how you would create the story to begin and end. And you lose that ability when you watch a linear video. And that's why to all the kids that are out there who are still, you know, watching these video games, um, play the game. (laughs) Yeah, because like you didn't die. Like you didn't have to work to get them at that level. You didn't fail. You didn't succeed. You didn't fail. It's kind of like a plateau of like you're seeing things happen. Can be entertaining, 
But, yeah. you know, like the biggest wins are like you have to go through failures too. And you have to have died in the game many, many times for the certain wins to feel good, the, the certain beating the certain boss to feel good. And that's why I play a lot of these like Dark Souls type games too, like Bloodborne and stuff. Because it's like, oh, yeah. I don't know if you heard of it, but you die oh, yeah, Dark a lot. Souls. Yep. But yep. I think it's just like, that's that's the thrill of it. Like I could definitely mm-hmm. like, I see, I, I, I would see like, okay, I really want to buy this RPG. I don't have, as an adult, I don't have time to play this RPG. I'm going to watch the walkthrough. Like I'm going to watch somebody play it. Like there's really bad right here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I can see the pros of it, but definitely as an experience, as a whole, uh, there's no attachment as into you spending mm. the time to actually dive into it and you failing, you winning, doing, having control, like you said, mm-hmm. on all that. So man, that's definitely one of the things why I replayed the crap out of final fantasy eight. I replayed mm-hmm. 10 so much, 10, was one of my favorites too like the heroes the, yes yeah blitz ball the different dimensions like it's crazy um, and just the characters as well like they were so different from each other and i love tropes like that uh, even in shonen anime like i like shonen animes where mm-hmm. give me a crew because there's always a crew but if the crew is yeah. no one seems to get along but because everyone is so different, but then they're finding ways to get along because they're, they, they all have the same mission. They all have the same goals and then the powers and then their personality all just like happen to kind of mesh together later mm-hmm. on the episodes. That, that's what I stick around for. Cause sometimes you're like, they're going to be friends I saw, mm-hmm. I saw the cover of this, they're friends. They're, they're, they're doing something together. Like they're shooting something yeah. together, but right now they look like they, they don't belong at all. Like mm-hmm. these are like two opposite people. And that's what I like about it too. And that's what keeps me sticking around. See, see the resolve in all of it. Yeah. I like the, the writing that's done in these animes that, that, um you know, create conflict like that, but also mm-hmm. create a goodness that comes out of it is something that is underestimated. So people will think that, Oh, it's the creation of the character and it's the creation of, no, sometimes it's the relationship building too. That's part of the story. And absolutely. Um, I don't want to, put a damper on American cartoons, but they don't do it quite the way that the Japanese do it. What do you think and it is? Compared I think it's they, just like cartoons. Yeah. I, I think that it's, um, it's kind of like a, 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 they miss, they miss the idea of like, you know, like I know there's an individualism is certainly a big part of our Western society and our Western thinking. And it's, and it's definitely important, but you know, there's, there's a nice way to balance both working together and working alone. And I think that, um, Japanese, the Japanese understand that culturally, but also they understand that it's something we're teaching to their children and to those who watch anime. Um, whereas, you know, sometimes I see shows and I can't think of any in the moment, but sometimes the character's a little too snarky or a little too disagreeable. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's like somehow they make it work, like whatever. Um, it's a little fake to me. Like, I don't see anyone really thinking that way, or maybe I just haven't met people like that, but, um, and so it's not too alpha. Do we just say, I don't know, maybe, but, but yeah. it's like, um, it, it just doesn't feel authentic, at least to me, like as an individual, whereas like with anime, it's like they, 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 you know, even though it's comedic conflict, it still feels like it would happen. Maybe that's just yeah. my bias, but it feels like it could happen. I mean, they do know how to throw like kind of soap opera into the mix oh, yeah. of like writing, right? And then I think drama is a big thing. And I think maybe in Western culture or like, let's say in cartoons and stuff where it's just more, let's be entertaining full on all the mm-hmm. time. Let's have like one moment of feels, but then for the most part, it's like just entertaining. Mm-hmm. Let's just drive the story forward. So yeah. that could be it, I think. Yeah, like for instance, like I guess one that could 
do some justice to Western uh, cartoon is Avatar, Last Airbender. Avatar, Last Avatar. Airbender. Yeah, they, it would that's, do all right. That's anime feels all the way too. Yeah, so so yeah. they've kept, they, but they captured the essence of the Eastern style. Um, but somehow in anime, like they've, because obviously over there, like how serious do they take it, right? Like mm-hmm. over there, it's a whole world, you know, to, you know, um, to become an animator, to become a, um, an illustrator to be, to create your own manga, to be a manga artist and to be a manga writer. Like For over sure. there, it's no joke. Like, For you know, sure. there, there are people who work there as editors and all they do is they edit. Right. And I mean, there's a whole anime about that too. I was just thinking about, um, Oh, what the heck is that show? Is it psyche or something? Is that the right name? Is that the one with like, he has psychic powers and he can, read yeah. And he's got the thing right? and he's got pink I hair. I love that show. I love that show. Yeah. That's another one to me. That's also like it, like again, like I'm an explorer. Like to me, it's very fascinating because he plays a different kind of hero. Yeah. Like he's he's a hero in a, in a, in in the in the sense that he prevents, uh, at least strives to without killing the show or yeah. like ruining it. He, he wants strives to, do good. to. Yeah. He wants prevent, to do good. prevent you know chaos from happening as we as we know, um, but he's a regular dude. He's a regular, he's not, he gets annoyed. He's he's yeah. He gets fed up. Like he has his limits yeah. of people, and that's and, why he's he's for the most part he's like, mm-hmm. he looks annoyed all the time. But he knows. Oh, but this is the right thing to do, so I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't want to be a hero. The one thing that makes it difficult. This is a little spoiler. Uh, one thing that makes his job difficult is he, no one can know about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you know, like with other, with Did other people, explain why like, no one's allowed to know about it. I, I I think he might have. Um, can... Season two on that from the last time. Spoiler alert, yeah. I guess. But did they ever explain why he's not allowed to tell people? I think it would be too much. I think that's why. Like, 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 you know how... Like, no, like, so... Just to the point of like, no one will understand it. They'll just ask... Like, he is like, yeah, he's like... He just want to be left alone. He's kind of an introvert too. He just want to yeah. live. He doesn't want to be in the center of attention. So if he tells people... He wants people... to be a normie, but he can't Exactly. <laughs> so as soon as he like shows people that he has these powers, he'll be like natural, national yeah. treasure and whatnot. He doesn't want to be like that. He just want to go to the cafe and eat his cake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And and then, so so you could see like my, my proclivity to these patterns and how I, I love those things. But also like when I'm encountered by something that does challenge my view... Uh, something like Death Note, for instance. Like, mm-hmm. who is the good guy in Death Note? There's no clear idea of who the good guy is. It's you actually think so. You know who the good guy is on the beginning, yeah. And then you turn around and be like, no, he's actually not the good guy. So and you're kind of conflicted. At yeah. That so if you're thinking about like a show that's filled with surprises, Death Note surprised. Yeah, and that's the crap considered out of shonen me. too. That's a really surprising shonen. That's considered shonen yeah. as well. For some reason. And so like when I when the sh- when the show ended, mm-hmm. I remember the last thing. All I saw is just you know it's quiet. And then they show scenes and then the credits start rolling. I had my mouth open, like, like, that's it. Like, yeah. Where's the happy? What? And then I, like it, you start thinking about like, okay, like this is reality. Like that's sometimes like, like they captured reality really well in that show. I think like they, 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 there's nothing spectacular or glorious about, let's say the end of evil when, you know, the, let's say the source of that evil was you and that you had to, be the one to end it and so and ending yourself in some weird way it's yeah it, it was like it was certainly like making me rearrange some things inside me and i was like okay you got to see things from a different perspective after seeing this show and i so think that that's really what cool. when when people are saying like what are you know animes that you should try to get people into i actually would counter and say death note would be the best one to get people into anime because 
it's challenging because when the, the like a, a regular person's um opinion on anime like how they see it or how mainstream portrays it is just the dragon ball z the my hero academia and all that so they're like oh i feel like i've seen this story before okay let me challenge you to how far anime can go into making you mm. think you know the story before but no you've never seen anything told like this before so yeah. i actually would suggest death note as a first for anyone who's like even just starting anime that is one of the big things and then um yeah so speaking of that topic um i have a death note ep flotaku one the first one that i that i started with this whole flotaku kind of branding thing and we are reaching four-year anniversary come september it's the four-year anniversary since i dropped my single l which is what kind of picked up everything for me l out of death note of course um so there's gonna be some new material on that a little bit spoilers because we've been speaking spoilers zacharias is featuring in one of those songs i'm so hyped for you guys to hear it so expect to hear that on the four-year anniversary of the death note called flotaku one rebirth this is not the only thing we worked on together Recently, last year, we worked on a song called Give You Love, and this was a really fun collab for me. Um, yeah, tell, tell us more about it for those who haven't heard it. Check that out on Spotify, by the way, on Zacharias. So, um, you know, one of the things I do as an artist is really experimentation. Um, uh, this was something I was working on during the pandemic. And so I had lots of time in my hands, but I also uh, had a lot to... Um, I guess, figure out as an artist, like how do I want to approach songwriting and how do I want to approach production? And so a lot of the things that I played around with is, you know, different song forms, um, different kind of uh, ways of making music. And one of the things that came out of that was uh, a song called Give You Love. And uh, it was literally a repeating, uh, a set of repeating lyrics and melodies. Uh, And so I released it as part of my song challenge where I had to release, I think a song a month or a song a week. That was wild. You were pushing out the content like crazy and they were like all quality still. And, and, um, and I remember one time um, uh, either, I think you reached out to me or I reached out to you and uh, you you know, um, and you gave me some feedback and you said, you know what this could use, um, you know, this could really use uh, a B section, like something something to explore the story. Uh, I know that you're in a challenge, but I think that if, if people uh, were to uh, gleam onto the story a little more um, concretely, it needs something to make it a little cohesive. At least that's what I was reading when you, um, when you absolutely, were Absolutely, absolutely. When I heard the song, so mm-hmm. on my side, I heard the song, you were on that challenge. I was following like, I was trying to follow definitely every, every week, like the single that you were putting out. I remember that one really sticking out to me. I think you released something called The Moon, The the Moon a week before, which I really liked too. And mm-hmm. then I heard that song and the beat really caught on to me. Um, I think I was listening to like hip hop that is sounding like that too. Cause I think it was around the time when um, the new weekend just came out after hours, the new Childish Gambino came out. I was listening to a lot of 21 Savage and th- that beat gave me that kind of synth pop slash kind of dark r&b mm-hmm. vibe that could that has like a mis- like a rap verse that is again a factor of surprise because it's a repeating melody which is like i want to give you love and i was mm-hmm. i just thought it was so catchy with the beat but then it just kept going and going i remember that on the song yeah. like, oh i would totally throw down something there on this third verse or something yeah. so i definitely just like hit you out and be like hey if you're looking to re-release the song i definitely jump on that and uh mm-hmm. it turned out really good i even um so at the time too 
when we were working on that song and I was writing the lyrics, funny enough, I was playing the remake of Final Fantasy VII. So for me, when I'm <laughs> writing lyrics and stuff like that, I, I, I tried to dive into like some of the things that's currently happening in my life, whether it be like something serious or just something really small. And that's when the line came up. It was just like, this girl is perfect. Um, she's like, uh, uh, she will definitely be in a waifu wars if mm. she was in the public. And that's where I came up with the Tifa body, Jesse Sprunk, keep the wars alive. Definitely mm. like the two girls that was like on Final Fantasy VII that she, everyone had a crush with. So yeah. I thought I'd throw that in. And I also thought you would like kind of mess with that because you knew the reference mm. there and then. Yeah. And now that I think about it, the song actually sounds like Final Fantasy. Like it has a Final Fantasy Midgard sort of kind of pops in my head when I, when I think of that. Um, Bro, you know what uh, would be dope song? for this? Get someone to make an AMV for it, like a GMV actually, like a Final Fantasy Seven GMV on it. <laughs> it's just like the the love between Squall or the split between Squall, Aerith, Tifa, and then his kind of like Yuffie a little bit and whatnot. Oh yeah, yeah. But then it's like I want to give you love. <laughs> is there is there anyone any of uh, Twizzy's listeners that? You know what we're talking about. It can see the vision. You know, you yes. can make that come to life, yes. please. <laughs> Use that. Use that. We'll send you the waveform and you can go hard at it. <laughs> yeah, but that was on an album that you released later on that year called Kaizen. And that was another, that that was a really good project. Tell us more about it. So uh, in 2009, I released my very first album, which was really the debut of my solo project, Zacharias. And, um, and, the whole idea of this this you know solo project is really to spread peace and love, and um, and I wanted to show that part of the things that you can do to spread those things is through change, and um, I I meant it like a, as a change in within you know like that you can improve as an individual that you can see things from multiple perspectives and have something to take away from it and that you know. Um, that it wouldn't be meaningless to do something, especially if it's with, you know, uh, with, with effort and with, you know, a sincere heart. And so uh, at least that's how I felt when I went into creating the songs for this project. It's also a culmination of the work that I did for the song challenge, because that was the, um, that was the, the attitude I had walking into it was that um my whole thing here is just to spread love and to uh, spread peace and to, um, and in the midst of all of that, if there's anything that I learned from it and that, you know, changes my mind or, you know, develops me as a person, then I'll take it and, and, and roll with it. And so um, every single song coming along, especially even songs that were from uh, uh, before the challenge, um, because part of the thing is, as long as I release a song, uh, or upload a song, then I've achieved the goal, right? So this uh, actually took me back to going and looking at old songs, as well as this, excuse me, as well as the songs that I was writing at the time to fulfill the the challenge. And all of them, at least to me, felt like they were onto something and they were onto sort of this idea of Kaizen. And so Kaizen in Japanese means continuous change or continuous improvement, to continuous improvement. And so I took the Kaizen and kind of applied it to myself. So it's continuous self-improvement as the way that I saw it. And you can see the spirit of Kaizen living in things like Toyota or things like the anime culture, the video game culture, um, you know, the, the aspects of technology where Japan really just flies and soars with. And I really, um, 
I, I was really inspired by that way of thinking and that, and that culture for many years. And I wanted to apply it in uh, this, you know, through the song challenge and through the way that I approach this album. And so it became the name of my album and it also um, informed how I would, you know, uh, uh, create the album. Mm -hmm. So much of the album, uh, you know, although I had many uh, collaborators and many um, uh, co-producers and producers and composers, I did my best to really write everything lyrically and at least with the melody wise as well. Now, obviously um, there's an exception with give you love because you did come and you helped me out with that, um, with that, with that bridge, that, that um, 16 bar uh, rap verse. But really that was my goal for Kaizen was to show continuous self-improvement and, you know, I'm, I'm still really on that journey. I don't think I've ever left. And that goes hand in hand with your, the whole challenge that you were doing the songwriting challenge to do like a single a week that you were trying to do. And a lot of the singles was on Kaizen. or Many of it was on Kaizen. Exactly. Um, I think that makes sense with the whole concept of Kaizen and the meaning of that. It's just like a lot of this was on a songwriting challenge to kind of improve myself and kind of find my sound too, in a way. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I would say uh, now I'm, I've taken everything that I've learned from the last two albums, you know, my identity and my self-improvement. And I'm now kind of uh, being really intentful with, uh, with my next project. I think, um, I think my next project is going to be something I've never done before. And I mean that um, very seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know where it will take me. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about it, to be honest. You started with working you, but... on a couple songs on it or demoing at least? <laughs> um, uh, no, I don't, I don't plan to, I, I don't think I'm going to do the, um, the typical, Thing that I've done before, where I just uh, I release songs and then package it together as an album. Yeah. I think I'm just gonna drop it. I yeah, think, I think so that'll do you, be do the you plan. more so envision it right now rather than actually have a few songs done at this point? You just envision what you want to do. Yeah, um, I, I I envision uh, so much of much of what I'm doing this time around is I'm really uh, letting the theme. Uh, lead the entire construction of the album so um much of much of the theme really uh dictates what stays and what what goes so i've written quite a lot of music already but a lot of it won't make the album Mm -hmm. so that that music i don't know maybe it might go to something else maybe it might be a side project but i'm i'm not uh i'm not putting pressure on myself as to what that would be um my my main goal for this next one is really just to do the best that I can to um, to bring out this message that I'm going to bring out. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't think it'll be done by this year. I'm, I'm I I need more time. Definitely, yeah. and I, I can see that kind of process because as a songwriter, I used to do the same thing where it's just like let me just keep making songs and then put it together and call it an album. But definitely on the, ever since I started the Flotaku side, we're just like, okay, this is the theme that I want to go for. I'll write a lot, but a heavy amount of songs. And that's where demoing comes in that I didn't used to do, but demoing came in and then I'll record roughs. I'm probably going to put in seven to 10 songs on this album, but I probably have 15 or so. And then some of it's like, it doesn't go with this theme. I'm not making that. I'm not focusing on that. It'll just go to another collaboration, maybe another project and, and and that has happened a lot too but i really like that process that you're saying where you know you envision the theme you envision kind of what it's going to be called and stuff and then everything else follows follow follows through because then that way you 
you know what to go for and you know what to surround the whole project into you know what type of songs to make and one by one just go from there and i i like that uh so right now you have like the vision but thinking a lot a lot more time needs to go into it definitely and definitely take all the time because we can't wait to hear that Mm -hmm. thank you very much yeah there's there's um yeah, man, look forward to uh, Zachariah's next year's project. Uh, what we, we don't know what it's going to be yet, but in the meantime, Kaizen should give you plenty of plenty of music. What would you say your like main genre is? Because I know you touched in like R&B pop. Like, you, I think, you, I think it's a lot of grooves. I think, um, I think I'm a very, the only way I could speak about it is like how I am. So I'm very soulful. I don't, um, yeah. I don't shy away from that. But I'm also a very philosophical individual. And I like to think that way in my music. And so wherever that falls, wherever those may fall, mm. um, genre-wise, uh, it falls in there. So um, philosophy is always very complex. And so it is very, you know, palatable to palatable to jazz music because jazz is very complex although jazz is not jazz is not um trying to be complex it just is right it's just Mm -hmm. organically that way and so i find that my understanding of you know the world and things kind of fall in line with that that style of music and so you mix those two together you get like neo soul so that's kind of how those two work really well together um i would would say yeah neo soul definitely is what i think of compared to like some of the sounds i've heard from you Mm-hmm. But also, I'm a very um, like I'm I'm a, I'm attuned to, you know what what um, what people like, and you know the, there's a pop sensitivity to the things that I do, and I don't think I'll ever shy away from that because I do learn a lot from pop music because pop music comes from so many different, mostly so many different genres that become popular, right? So yeah, um, I don't think I'll ever shy away from that, and um, I've always been a fan of. Electri- electronic music and making things you know with a dance feeling and electronic feeling mm. um yeah really i guess i'm just trying to be who i am and without really um if ever i find things uh that i experiment with that i enjoy and i think would sound great i would introduce it into into my music without really kind of you know trying too hard to, to make it fit or not uh if people like it they like it if they don't they don't um that's really how I approach music. And um, it's why I love your stuff because you, you're just like, you know, I want to try this and I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> I think um, it's also like you, before you try and satisfy people, it's, you got to satisfy yourself. I, I believe as a musician, like you've got to make yourself happy before thinking about like yeah. fans would think who would like this and stuff. Cause if you're not making yourself happy, you're not doing your best work. So I, I think always, so. yeah. like, we're always trying to make music that we would want to listen to, like that I would bump. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm really inspired by dance music lately. Why don't I make a dance track? Why? Because it's not, people don't expect mm-hmm. it from me. Why would I stop that from me, from happening, right? So I think yeah. that's a good strategy with music too. Like um, when this next, uh, in this next project, are you doing a lot of self-producing as well? Like, I know that for sure I'll be doing a lot of the writing and the composition. Yeah. Um, as a, in terms of production, I think when I want to demonstrate what, um, what, concept i'm going for a lot of that will be built in-house because you know it would be uh, a good way to save money if you could just make a lot of it at home mm-hmm. and then if um if i need you know something to be taken even further in order to reach let's say the reality of the sonic qualities that i want to achieve i'm gonna i'm gonna you know find some producers who can do that um and i envision you know using different spaces to try to achieve my sound I don't think um, I don't I don't know if uh, what software has to offer can do what I think 
I want to do, you know, like yeah. it, uh, sometimes I think software has a limitation and I'm starting to, you know, discover that there is a beauty to doing things the natural way, you know, just recording a room or something like that. So for real, for real. maybe that's a little hint of what I'm trying to achieve, oh. but, um, but we'll see. There you go. Here's it. Now, before we uh, wrap up today, do you want to talk about, I heard you have like a side project and also what's coming in your podcast so that people can tune in. So uh, season one, we just closed of Zacharias, um, the Zacharias experience. And it, uh, I learned a lot from it. I had a great time talking to different people. Um, season two, I think will also be a little bit different. I'm going to try to um, bring discussion. So I'm, I'm a, I've realized that I'm, I like asking a lot of questions and sometimes, um, and, and, and I do like the one-to-one in intimacy of, of having a conversation. Um, but I think I've seen, uh, you know, multiple people speaking in a podcast work really well too. So I might try that. Especially when they have opposing views on something on a topic and then kind yeah, of having that debate there and then. Eh? Yeah. And I think cool. that's, that's also what I'm going to get into a little bit is to invite, um, guests that I think wouldn't normally be on the podcast just because I'm willing to have a conversation like that. Um, and uh, I don't know where that'll go, honestly. I'm, I'm taking a big risk on it. Um, so uh, I've thought about um, doing a side project because although my main intention of what I want to depict in the world just won't happen this year, I still want to deliver music to people. And so if I have some time, um, I might throw together a few tracks of uh, songs that people really enjoy uh, and that I know that I can do justice to and uh, release that to the world. So we'll see if there's time. Man, a lot of good things coming from Zacharias, man. Make sure you follow him. Uh, social media, IG, Zacharias, um, Spotify, Apple Music and all that good stuff. We have some music coming to like one of our collabs coming soon. Stick out for that. But thank you so much for coming in the show and talking. That, that was a really good chat. It was, I feel like we'll do another part three so at some point between like yeah. this podcast and my podcast. That could be really interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to have you back. And I love chatting with you all the time, Twiz. Like it's just um, it's just so much fun. Um, yeah, it's always you've been a friend fun. for many years. And um, you know, it's it's always nice to connect with you and to and I'm always surprised. Uh, You're like the shonen anime surprise too. Like every time I chat with you, it's like I think I know it all, but then I always find out something new, and that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, yeah. man. Yeah, tune in so thank you so much for tuning in flotaku gang uh check out the next episode hope you guys have a good day much love